स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट हाई वेलकम टू दिस एडिशन ऑफ वाई नॉट मिन मनी इन दिस एपिसोड Senior Assistant Editor at Mint Neil Borate will talk to Deepak Shanoi who is the founder and CEO of Capital Mind. Capital Mind is a Bangalore based investment research and wealth management startup. Shanoi who doesn't invest in real estate or own a house will share his personal portfolio details. So let's listen in. Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. uh deepak so to begin with how do you asset allocate how do you split between equity debt gold and alternatives this is a good question i don't have any gold i don't think i like to i would like to have any gold at all uh if i would like to it would only be like a short term fixed income kind of an instrument or a trend based momentum based trade but i don't think i'll hold gold at all uh in fact i'm trying to sell the little gold we have because none of us use it so we are more interested in uh, trying to the problem with selling gold is you can't sell it in the with the jeweler and all that stuff they keep looking at you and saying listen you i have stuff from 1970s and they're like do you have the receipt for this i'm like i don't think there were receipts in 1970 and plus i was too like a, this is hand me down from ages ago so you can't it turns out you can't sell gold easily so uh, i think personally that you know no matter what Uh, happens when gold is not going to be in my portfolio. From an equity debt perspective, I think I would go go in at debt primarily from the perspective of liquidity. That means when I need the money, that money goes goes in debt. My emergency fund is in debt. That's relatively simple liquid fund kind of. So how many months expenses would that? Six months. So in my case, it's ten because I run a startup, so it's my I have more risk taking in my life, so I have ten months of expenses. um but i typically say minimum of 6 and debt as um, a liquid funds obviously yeah so we use i use a short term debt fund right. and i've had it for the longest time so it's just there um the other one is of course uh, i have a um uh, a little exposure to debt for some of the expenses I, i i invest all my money into my pms so which is all the savings i have i put it into the pms mm-hmm. as a person who you know invests in the same portfolio that our customers do uh one of the strategies has a debt element to it because that strategy i'm going to need the money in 3 years so it's targeted to reach a certain number within 3 years and uh, i've started 3 years ago so 6 years when it started and i wrote a post about it i said okay this is how i plan for my son's education uh, so i've built up a certain level of corpus and once it crosses the next layer right. which would be uh, a certain number that is when i'll take the money out so because i need the money in another 3 years right. there's a 10% component of debt or 15% component of debt there right that will keep increasing uh, over the next few months so otherwise very little debt i don't need debt as an asset allocation right. in my place uh, i don't have pf or uh, i do have some ppf which is very small amount um so my allocations to debt happen uh, in a lot of ways in a more active way so for instance I, as a portfolio manager, I can't invest in uh, capital instruments like stocks in my own. So I route everything through the PMS, but I can buy debt instruments on my own. So that is allowed because we don't, as a PMS, buy single uh, debt instruments ourselves. Um, I our uh, core concept, my core concept of debt is that I would buy bonds that are listed on the exchange. 
this exchange listing is primarily uh, exchange is primarily you know your uh, um, uh, exchange traded bond. So you have a LND finance or a LND infrastructure mm -hmm. kind of uh, 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 you know uh, bond that was issued ten years ago, maybe traded right now. To give you an example, a lot of bonds that are issued when the primary issue happens, people are very excited. They write articles about them and all that. Mm -hmm. But after they're listed in the market, nobody writes about them. So you have these bonds that were issued in 2013-2014 that continue to trade in the market. But they traded extremely um, attractive valuations for debt. So, you know, debt today is what, four and a half, five, five and a half, six. That's about the percentage rate returns you're getting. But some of these bonds give you eight, nine, ten percent. Uh, they appear in the market at certain times. So I use them as a uh, better allocation than cash. So I might have cash for multiple reasons and I say, well, you know what, I don't need this money for three months. In these three months, I'll earn an effective 9% per annum on this bond thing. So might as well uh, use that. So that's the only other debt allocation I have. Do you have a ratings filter that only above, say, AA or... Uh... I don't care about ratings. So for instance, I never bought a DHFL bond. I bought a DHFL bond after it was rated default. Uh, <laughs> because I said, okay, it was trading at... Uh, Roughly at that time about uh, I think 200 rupees and I believed that there would be a 400 rupee recovery so effectively you got double your return in a bond which is not bad at all. But other than that I would not buy them when they were rated AAA right. um, because I don't believe in the ratings. So instead you want to trade in certain companies. So for instance uh, I feel that companies like Manapuram and Muthu they are actually solid in the sense they are rated AA. But they are better off even today than many companies that are rated AAA. So uh, they, I would prefer to buy their bonds rather than a bond of an LNT Infra or a Mahindra Finance, which are probably rated the same or higher. But I don't trust them quite as much. So the ratings matter are, are less relevant than understanding what the company does in the first place. You get a lot of companies today who are rated like A or BBB, you know, at that level. They're trading at 12.5% and 13%. I think that is disastrous. Don't even touch them because you won't understand what's going on underneath. And um, I prefer to take the debt of an operational company rather than a financial company. So if NTPC were to issue me debt, I would actually take it at a much lower rate than I would say a finance company of any sort. So even a government-owned finance company. I would be more uh, very, I, I would in fact take NTPC debt any day over SBI's debt. Uh, even though people say SBI will not default. It's just that the feeling that the operational company has to serve its cash flows using purely, because all finance is Ponzi, right? You have to borrow to pay back your debt. That's the way finance works. So effectively you want to reduce the Ponziness in your portfolio, so you want to keep debt down. So. Uh, the last related question to that is, Liquidity is often cited as a constraint to directly buying bonds, but you don't see that as an issue? So it depends. For instance, right now my latest set of acquisitions have been long-term government bonds. I bought this an RBI Retail Direct platform, we wrote a post on that. So that RBI Retail Direct I've been using to buy bonds which will give me 7.5, nearly 7.5% returns uh, for a very long period of time. So I find that far more satisfying than trying to negotiate long-term rates with anybody. Even for my mom, we're trying to push that as a portfolio up rather than trying to do anything else. Right. Uh, now, given that, I don't think um, uh, this is going to be a major problem. 
in terms of liquidity for selling government bonds at all. Bonds of say a Manapuram, they're going to be a problem to sell and you should plan to hold them to maturity or close to maturity. Right. Um, and if you know how bonds work, you can buy at a 9% yield and sell at a 12% yield mm -hmm. and still make 8.75%. I mean, effectively, you as closer you get to maturity, the yield uh, differences of even a 5 paisa move is quite significant. So what I would say is, you know, I look for liquidity only towards the last one month or two months right. of the bond. And if I think that the bond will not have liquidity at that time, I'm willing to wait till maturity. Otherwise, I'll actually exit a month before. Right. Uh, maturity. Just before maturity. Right. So. right. so if I had to put a broad percentage to it, it would be 85% equity, 15%. It's currently that way because my 15% liquidity comes from um, my emergency funds. And perhaps the money I a proportion of the money I need in a relatively recent time frame, like two or three years, and the speculative bond buying, and you know, right, and right. Of, you could say 80 20 right now, right, right? And you don't do any alternates like private equity. Uh, I currently don't do much in that, uh, it just currently it's a distraction, so I don't do it. Uh, I also don't do... Must be hard to resist in a city like this, right? Everybody must be pitching to you all the time. Yeah, so <laughs> in fact, that's one of the reasons why I decided not to do it is because you get pitched all the time and then you can't say no uh, because the money of these guys are very good ideas and you want to invest in them. So I said, listen, and plus, you know, it makes sense for, for my uh, time because you, you won't just invest. You will be required to give inputs at some point in time, understand the business at another point in time and so on. Yeah. And uh, while I like that you know, type of deal making at some level, I think I'm just better suited to just run a capital mind and take it to its new future. Yeah. Uh, and I hope other people will buy our shares at, at whenever we list or whenever we do something. But right now it's better off that I focus. In fact, I am spending more money buying shares of capital mind. Uh, uh, you know, in a, if that's my private... That is my biggest alternate, right? Yeah. I own the shares of capital mind. Yeah, yeah. And I will actually spend, if you, if I'm allowed to, I will buy more and more of capital mind shares. Right. Um, uh, rather than anything else. Right. So in the 85-15 split, we exclude capital mind and in that investment. Of course. I mean, that is, that would change yeah. the equation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and real estate, you don't invest? I don't own a house. I don't plan to own a house. I, uh, uh, but other people should own houses because who else would I rent from? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So, but I don't know. I, I think uh, it's a very good idea for people who are comfortable with real assets. See, I don't like gold. I don't like real estate. I'm a financial guy, not a real asset guy. Yeah. I'm not even a crypto guy. I don't like yeah. crypto. So, yeah. um, uh, so therefore, I think real estate is a different beast. Um, personally, I would play real estate if I had hundreds of crores to play with and I could invest in diversified set of properties. But when you have so much money behind one property, it's like putting all your eggs on in Reliance or in TCS. If something happens to those stocks, yeah. then you're, you know, uh, hurt disproportionately. Yeah. But how about REITs and invits? Do you count that in? Oh, yeah. Uh, That's actually quasi-rate. I count them as quasi-fixed right. income. Uh, right now, my some of my speculative money is there. Right. Um, I, it's been a phenomenal right? just saying I mean those things have earned us upwards of 12-13% yeah. so, um, but I don't think I'd invest more money in some of those things now 
I'd probably keep a little bit of it going, whatever I've invested in the past, but you know, leave it as it is. Right, right. Okay, so in equity, essentially, your allocation would be your PMS's allocation. Okay. Um, well, there are three different strategies. Some are large caps, some are, you know, so there's some US invest stocks. Uh, right. and we use an ETF to buy them. Right. Then we have uh, Momentum, which is an algorithmic strategy. We have Index, which is right. purely the top 100 in India, top 100 US plus right. 100 India. And uh, we have Multicap, which is more a mix of long term holdings for growth and disruption, right. mix right. of Multicap, mix of so if you had to aggregate those and break it out into large, mid and small and international, uh, roughly, would you know? I think I'd be probably 30-40% on each uh, of the, you know, they say maybe 10% US. Yeah, that would perhaps be it. Right. So roughly that. But I don't care about caps. So you see, the problem with cap-based weightages is you assume that all the market cap companies in a certain market cap will do well at the same time right. uh, or they are they're independent of each other. They are not. Right. They are very heavily correlated. So right. what happens is if, you, if your large cap goes down, your mid caps are also going to go down and your small cap falls. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, since they are correlated, it doesn't matter how much you have in each as long as you understand the underlying businesses. A, a significant amount of my returns have come from small caps. Right. Uh, which have become mid caps and large caps. Yeah, yeah. So I do not have any growth against the mid cap right. or small cap right. uh, world. So I think it's healthy to have. Like, I, I don't think I advise this of anybody else because they are not. They, my risk profile is entirely different. Sure, them. sure. Um, but broadly, when you have four PMSs and you are splitting your money, is it equal or you prefer? Well, it's different. Yeah, yeah. It's different. It's, some are targeted, so they need to get to a certain number. So they need a higher allocation at some point and the other zones will catch right. up over time and you know, things like that. So right. it's not necessary that the split will be the same. Right. Uh, now two questions that aren't related to money. Uh, one is where was your last holiday and yeah, where was your last holiday? Where was my last holiday? Where was it? It was in Goa. I think it was Goa. Yes, it was Goa um, in December of last year. Right. And then there were kids' exams and all that, so we couldn't go. Now we will go after, uh, we're going to Delhi for a small thing, and then uh, after I come back, I might end up going somewhere else again. Um, but all India right now, because of. We wanted to go abroad, but then they have this quarantine for two days and something else. And all that, but, not but since you're going anywhere, anyway, you'll like do a bit of sightseeing as well, right? In the US? The US, I'm going for a very short time, so it's I'm going to New York. Where my idea is, I haven't been to New York for 20 years, right. so I'm going to just go and see if everything is in the same place, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. And uh, I'm going to Omaha, where nothing changes. I think ever. I first <laughs> went there in 1996, yeah. and so I don't think so. I of course it will be a holiday of sorts. Yeah. But nothing more than that. So this is my first international flight in three years. Yeah. Uh, any lifestyle changes post pandemic that have become more or less permanent you would say black coffee um, eating uh, more protein and less carb they have become permanent as part of my thing. Um, so to a certain amount um, 
I've started. I mean, it was just the pandemic the way it was. You end up working late at night and so get up. You know, so the sleep cycles are gotten all altered. I think habits-wise, uh, you're talking about personal habits. Yes. Right? Yeah. So um, a few things that were what I realized are, are a problem is um, it was difficult to get group games together. So wherever I used to play them, I kind of reduce them. So a lot more of those gyms and walks and cycles and all that stuff which are individually right. in nature right. that has uh, kind of increased. From a from a diet perspective, massive changes uh, mostly because. It, I mean, I'm actually ordering out a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. That's because the number of options that are available to order from uh, multiplied. Yeah, so I can get homemade food, you know, from an actual home, could uh, <laughs> yeah. deliver to your place. So I'm like, okay, this is as good as you know. So uh, eating out has become more acceptable, yeah. uh, both from us as a family and for me as a person. Um, I it's not like I didn't used to eat earlier, but it's just that the this, the scale of the kind of things that I eat has uh, gone has up. gone up quite uh, substantially. And then um, travel, I, I, I my petrol bills have been ridiculously low yeah. because I haven't travelled at all. Yeah. So uh, we do intend to do a lot more of that. So yeah. travel, the car, right, and right. Travel, 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 travel. So we did a very nice thing in December. I think we had gone. November or December, yeah. We've gone from you know to Madikeri and then to Goa and then back. Yeah, went to Goa. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like uh, I mean, it's it's got one of those. It's got this very charming place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you, I mean, right now it will be a little warm. Yeah. But no, I went in December, so yeah, December is nice. Yeah. Um, do you involve your spouse in your financial decisions? I try. Uh, she's not very interested in them, but nowadays she has been more. Covid has kind of freaked us all out, right? So I've built up things for her to see. Yeah. I set up some backups so that other people who I know can see and so on. Okay. It is, uh, you know, so but unfortunately, um, I don't think there's that much interest in terms of maintaining it. Right? She's like, okay. So I've got most of the wealth in the PMS. So that way, I know that if anything happens to me, yeah. that she can quickly operate it. She. Uh, Operates, I mean, her own this thing and all that, so that way there's no issues. And I think more or less people know where everything is. So of course there are things that even I didn't know, which I turned out at you know like I'm getting a LIC policy uh, maturity next month. Right. Like super kicked about that. <laughs> I'm getting four percent return in a 25 <laughs> period year period. So I'm super kicked because um, I mean it'll some holiday somewhere. But you would have term insurance, I assume. I do. I do have term, and I have some. Um, I have medical as well, so, uh, and plus the office has medical. So I have personal medical and office medical. So, okay. it, it covers more. Right. Uh, last thing. Uh, how often do you review your portfolio? I actually put a portfolio watch once a week. Right. So it's a little too often. Right. Right. I mean, for you, since it's in the BMS. It's a little. Uh, what I meant is on an individual level, like for you personally, how often would you? Oh, so I have reviewed once in six months right. is when I will make any meaningful changes. Right. So till then, before six months, I don't think I'll make anything. I bother. 
So I might make one later this year, for instance, if there's a, a small other goal that I have to plan. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't care about. I look at the return numbers only from the perspective of am I getting what I want, right? Which is you know, roughly 12% a year is what I care about. If I'm more than that, I'm happy. Yeah. So not relevant to life. Thanks, Deepak. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any feedback or comments, you can reach me at actorsday on Twitter. That is A C T U S D E I, or you can email us at mintmoney at livemint dot com. Thank you very much for tuning in, and goodbye. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.